0: He tēnei, te o And we're in
2: the Extra
1: Time!
3: Kia ora and welcome to Extra Time, I'm Brenton Venisoroi.
1: A boil over felt in Buenos Aires! Lost Pumas! Moi Bueno They win against the Piece of history. We've witnessed history here today, Bankwest. Incredible effort.
4: We spoke about they haven't played in 402 days. First game of 2020.
3: Were they going to run out of energy? Were they going to run out of steam? No. They just got better and better. Yes, a truly stunning upset in Sydney as Argentina recorded their first ever win over the All Blacks. It took the Pumas 30 tests and 35 years to achieve the feat. And it consigned the All Blacks to consecutive test defeats for the first time since 2011. The match was reminiscent of the All Blacks World Cup semi-final loss to England and Japan last year. They were out-muscled, out-hustled and out-passioned and once again appeared to have no plan B to turn to when things didn't go their way. The knives are already out for new coach Ian Foster who has won just two of his first five tests in charge and Captain Sam Kane is clearly feeling the pressure too, surprisingly criticising fans on Sky Sport earlier this week. We've got amazing fans but we've also got some pretty brutal ones and I think with that you've just got to remind yourself that hey, uh, they may like to think they know a lot about the game of rugby but in, in reality... They, they don't really and um, they don't they may know the game from what they see in the 80 minutes but they don't see a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes and to me um, if i was having if i'm having my leadership question in the public the people's opinions who really matter to me are my teammates and the coaches who i work with every single day and um, you know, i've got a lot of confidence from them that um, we're on the right track so are the All Blacks in crisis and just how much do the public really care? Journalist Hamish Bidwell, Wellington Pride rugby player Alice Soper and RNZ's Barry Guy are joining me on Extra Time this week to answer these questions and many more. We'll also hear from the Black Ferns after they were drawn in the same pool as the Wallaroos for next year's Rugby World Cup in New Zealand. And RNZ sports reporter Felicity Reid talks to Team New Zealand's head designer Dan Benesconi following the launch of the boat for the America's Cup defence. But first to the All Blacks, Hamish, you've written about the reaction, or should I say, lack of reaction to the defeat. Has it
5: surprised you? uh yeah, a little bit. Like I just, um, I'm surprised that people don't care. I, I, I get a sense that you know, I've got, a, I've got 20 blokes in town for a cricket match, for instance, and, and no one really watched it. I would be honest. I watched reruns of Ray Donovan on last Saturday night. I love Ray Donovan, and I taped the game because I've got to take a professional stake in these things. Um, I just think people are. Not they weren't enchanted with Sam Kane as captain. They certainly thought Ian Foster was an imposter as a coach, and they are hoping the team's going to lose. That's about their only engagement with it. Um, the more that the, the team struggle, I think that's the the more likely we're going to get some change. And I think people want that. Until there is that change, I think people are like are disinterested. I think they think, well, it's not the team that I would pick. It's not the team that it's not the people in charge that I would have. And so until things change, I think people are just going to sort of be apathetic.
3: Alice, what have you made of it all? And I suppose in particular those comments from Sam Kane.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one. I actually randomly did watch. I wasn't intending on watching the match and then did tune in and because I remembered how good scrums are with the Argentinians. Um, and then, for goodness sake, I was cheering for them to take it out, and boy, did they. Um, and, and you have to because if you're a fan of rugby, you want to see upsets, you want to see close contests. So I'm always actually generally excited for the All Blacks to get a close game or to get beaten because it makes rugby more exciting. In terms of Sam... Oh, I think he's got some learning to do. That's what it, it strikes me when he's speaking. You know, it's a captain's role is actually threefold. It's not just what you're doing on the field um, and how you're leading your team members. It's also around referee management. He got told off on Saturday uh, for trying to um, have a conversation with the referee about what he thought should have been called weird. Um, that's never a good look. That's your main job. That People used to complain all the time about how good Richie McCaw was at that one. Uh, and then your other job is, has to be getting fans hyped. And so I If you're telling us that we don't know um, and we don't know about this and we don't know about that, well, that's also half of NZR not doing their job. Because if we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, if we don't have access and attachment to our team, well, what's the point in watching? Um, We're supposed to feel connected, aren't we? It's the whole thing of we talk about we rather than the All Blacks, you know. There's an ownership and a pride that comes with that. So, yeah, people who are passionate get fired up from time to time, so you just got to wear it.
1: In his defence, I think he didn't choose his words well. Yeah. uh, And it's possibly what uh, has now been reported was not initially what he – meant to say so you know I'll give him some defense for that but I on the field I I think he he is trying to take responsibility and um, solve things himself and I think he needs to call on a few others as well because there were some others that needed to to collectively stand up and and take control and also I think um, I missed the start of the game because I not just used to it being seven thirty or whatever, and you know, and I turned it on and we were halfway through. And so I missed this the start of it. And I had these sort of mixed emotions as well, because I was trying to think back to that time they lost to Ireland and in the end we were all quite happy for Ireland to have won for some reason. And so I was trying to relate things to that with with this and I again I came I thought, well no good on Argentina because you know uh they've been trying for so many years they got through the all blacks didn't play particularly well they didn't have a plan b as we we talked about and argentina deserved to win it but i immediately then thought it'll be a different all blacks and a different argentina that'll come out next time and you know i shouldn't say it but i'd be surprised if argentina won again
0: i think you're right
5: argentina will lose to... by 25 points next yeah. time and we all know that and and What the problem we're going to get at that point is the blowhards in the media, the self appointed guardians of the faith, and the the, the learned gentleman will say will write nonsense about Ian Foster and a tactical masterstroke or some personnel changes or honesty meetings and that and how we're now on the path to greatness and Foster has proven his credentials and we all need to get off his back. And it's nothing of the sort. Argentina are going to play three weeks in a row and they're not going to win this week against Australia and they're not going to get within 25 points of New Zealand the week after that because physically they just won't be up to it. And that's just all there is to it. And the All Blacks have been humiliated into a response and they will respond. Sam Kane thing, I think we should get distracted by that um he made some comments he was on a, wasn't live he was on the softest landing as far as interview people interviewers that you're ever going to get so there's no sense that he was misquoted he didn't his words weren't taken out of context he he bagged people and he bagged the wrong people and i think people lose company with athletes that are on good wickets when they start complaining about how hard their life is and he started doing that and people don't want to hear that but the thing that we need to be conscious of here. And the thing that New Zealand rugby weren't conscious of in the first place is that Ian Foster is being shown up week after week for his inability to coach rugby properly. And he's got no charisma, he's got no leadership. The All Blacks aren't playing for their captain either. The captain of that team is Sam Whitelock. And you can bet dollars to donuts. Half that team are in Sam Whitelock's bedroom every day grizzling and saying, why can't you be the captain? Why isn't Razor the coach of this team? What sort of a shit show is this? They've had a guts full and they're not playing for the, for the coach, they're not playing for the captain. And people need to get realistic about that. The All Blacks will win seven games out of ten every year, and they'll come back and they'll beat Argentina, but nothing will be right in the garden. People need to look at this for what it is, see the dysfunction, see the lack of leadership, see the lack of acumen in that group, and make changes. Because if they don't, we're just going to lurch from this from every fortnight for the rest of Foster's tenure, because they'll respond one week, they'll be bad the next, and we'll just have this cycle of uh, this unsatisfactory cycle. And I think people need to be really realistic about what's happening here.
3: You agree with that, Alice?
0: I mean, I can't I can't disagree with it. I think if you look at the difference between on and off field culture stuff, um, it was never more apparent when you had the uh, Black Ferns who absolutely romped it in in 2017, and then followed by the you know the All Blacks poor would have play the next World Cup. I just think you got yeah you have to get that stuff right off the field, and you know that was another thing in the formation early on of the Black Ferns sevens team. There was a controversial change in captain, and at the time uh, it caused a real ruction within. But then Sarah Hirini has more than proven that that she was the right choice there. So people forget actually how important that is to players like you're saying the the meetings that you have in in team rooms who where you end up hanging out that is going to pull, you have to have the person that's going to pull those people together. And and when you are having those losses, I mean, goodness sake, it was Sam Whitelock that engineered that win for the South because the South weren't looking like much otherwise. But it was that type of leadership that he pulled together. We know how to do this. Boring rugby, because it's Canterbury rugby, paint by numbers. Tick, 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 there we are. So we need to, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't disagree with Hamish on that one. I think he's spot on.
3: And Barry, do we just have to, I suppose Hamish touched on it a bit, do we just have to face the reality that this All Blacks team aren't, the world beaters of the past decade?
1: Is it just, is it easy to say, again, I'm trying to think, you know, the year after a World Cup things, you know, they're, they're trying some things, but there are a lot of players there that have been there for a while. And I, I, I'm i now just starting to think that, um, you know, some of those combinations aren't working particularly well. And maybe there needs to be change within personnel as well that maybe. Um, a few more of these uh, younger guys need to come in and have a a chance uh, somewhere. And I also think that perhaps, um, as has been touched on, that they're not all thinking and working together as they should be, whether that's because of what Hamish said, that perhaps there are different camps and not everyone's agreeing with the coach or whatever. I do get the feeling that perhaps the whole 15 just isn't clicking, um, and I can't put my finger... Finger on it, but but yes, um, I don't think you know the Wallabies aren't a great side at the moment if you look at it, and you know we've struggled against them. Argentina have uh, stuck to their usual game plan and managed to beat the All Blacks this time. Um, is it 2020? Is, you know, are, are, are people cooked after whatever has been you know going through this year? Have they had enough? I, I, I don't know. They're, I just get the feeling that you know it's not all honky dory and things just aren't humming at the moment. Because so, I'm not
5: sure if you mentioned it or was Brenton before. You met you I think there was a reference to last year against England at the World Cup. Hmm. Um, it might have been you, Brenton. Um that the frustration for fans will be, and this is under Foster's watch, we're talking I'm talking about the back line here, this is that there's a consistent failing if we go back to Um, The British and Irish Lawrence series of 2017, the times they played Ireland subsequent to that, they got lucky one time at uh, Twickenham where Sam Underhill scored a try and was disallowed. They would have lost that game if it had been awarded. Um, Obviously the World Cup last year, South Africa have come to Wellington a couple of times and done them over by rushing up on defence by by pressuring the ball carriers, by making tackles. If if you make your tackles against the All Blacks, they don't really have an alternative way of playing. They don't know what to do. They don't know whether to kick. They don't know whether to pass. They just shuffle from side to side and hope someone's going to fall off a tackle and they'll make a break and they'll score a try. But if they don't make a break, if no one falls off the tackle, far out, what are we going to do? And so that's a consistent failing. It's the same theme time and time again. New Zealand aren't going to be necessarily the most dominant set-piece team, but we have some great athletes, but we're not giving those athletes a chance to shine or relying on athleticism rather than skill or now sort of technical acumen to, to break teams open. And that's happening time and time again. If you tackle the All Blacks, as Australia did in Brisbane and Wellington uh, a couple of weeks before that, as Argentina did last week, you beat them. They run out of ideas. They have no idea what to do. Like, that's, that's on the coach. Like, is, is Foster not hour after hour, day after day, in consultation with Aaron Smith and Richie Moanga and Bowden Barrett about how to play, what to do, Well, if he is, it's not working. And it hasn't worked for two or three years. And I don't think it's going to suddenly start working. And no one's, I mean, the opposition have worked out a way to beat New Zealand. And they'll keep relying on that, whether it's Argentina, Australia, South Africa, France, England. They'll all play the same way. And they'll probably all achieve similar results. Let's be honest.
3: Yeah, Alice, did it seem there was no plan B again on Saturday night?
0: Yeah, and there's just kind of a couple of key pieces that are missing. I mean, can we talk also about discipline? Because that first twenty minutes that you missed, Barry, was an embarrassment. I was embarrassed watching Dane Coles being an absolute thug. Like it was he, all the things he was doing was just being a bully boy and it's just stupid and it's embarrassing right, to else. watch. That, that
5: reflects on the captain yeah. a bit too. What what's the yeah. stand? Where's this, you know, would they have tried this on with Reed and McCaw and Hanson as the Brains Trust? I don't yeah. think they would, but they're trying it on with it, Foster and Kane, aren't they?
0: Yeah, exactly. And so it was just, it was embarrassing to watch that type of ill behaviour. Like, rugby is such a physical game. There is never any need to be doing that type of silly niggle off the ball. There just isn't. Even if someone is annoying you, you can take them out in the next clean out legally and let your, you know, presence be felt there. I thought, you know, one of the things that struck me in terms of our four-pack is we don't seem to have the enforcer that we used to. It was, you know, Jerome Kaino before that. Um, you know, we have a long legacy of those type of players. And it's like, where is that one? Where is the one that is hitting those rucks and hitting them hard? and making people scared to make those tackles. Um, I think Akira um, only the week before, I thought he started to show shades of it, but then he wasn't in the team. I don't know. It just seems like we, we haven't quite got that hard six. I want to see our tough number six back in the mix because that's such an important piece in terms of enforcing it right there. Clean ball, fast ball, let your you know backs out wide. But I haven't seen that for a while now in our setups. We, you know, I absolutely adore Adi, but he's never going to be that type of player. So where, is, where are they? We need to we need to get that hard man back in the tank.
1: It seems
5: to me, and the problem, Alice. Sorry, just the problem will be as we've sort of touched on is that they will stuff Argentina in in a week's time. They'll beat them by miles, and we'll all be dismissed as halfwits and alarmists. And you know, we don't know about uh, (laughs) rugby. Exactly. Oh, exactly. I mean, and 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 all be right again, and the will the points will have been proven, and corners will have been turned, and none of that will be true, and we'll just Mm. lurch from one thing to the next next year. I honestly believe that, but we'll all be dismissed. Honestly. Because we're not serious journalists, we're not doines, we're not protectors of the faith. We're just alarmists and, and half-wits.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's been a f- fascinating discussion, and I want to end on what has probably caused even more of a stir than the All Blacks losing to Argentina, and that is Keith Quinn's Twitter post bemoaning blokes crying and fluoro boots, which of course caused. Quite the stir during the, the week, uh, Hamish. How did how did you view, view that? And have we maybe lost the ability to take the piss, or maybe is social media not the right way to
5: do it? I I don't even know what we're talking about. I I don't. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'll leave
3: us <this> to <laughs> I you then, tell Alice. You
0: Hamish... Keith, mistake. Uh, the best take I saw was that uh, Keith had mistook uh, Twitter for Talkback. So it's not the place to be be putting such comments, mate, because you're going to find the wrong wrong audience there. Um, but the idea, like as I said about it, it was a rugby historian who was making a take that would have been better left in rugby's history. We're so far past this, Keith. Like your 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 vintage is showing when you're, you're coming out and you're making a public statement like that, whether or not. Uh, you're doing it with a tongue-in-cheek. If you're doing it online, you're not going to be able to get that tone across. Uh, You're not going to get that context stuff. So you're going to have to be more mindful of the words you're using. So if you're saying that, you know, Poor old pine tree would be in disgrace at people crying, for goodness sake. I was. I thought that was one of the things I saw on Saturday and was proud of. I'd watched three matches that day, watched the song, uh, the Samoans play the Tongans, and one of the Samoan players was having a cry during the anthem. Same with Eloise Blackwell, who shed a tear on her debut as the Black Ferns captain. And then we saw the Argentinian coach move to tears and um, with his victory. And that's great. That's awesome to see people's expression um, of, of passion at, at, and overwhelming, you know, emotion in moments like that. Like, what's wrong with that? We want people to care about a thing, but, oh, don't care that way? For goodness sake. And people's boots, really? People have had coloured boots now since, like, 2002. Get over it, man. It's something backs do. They like to be flashy. They'll have undercuts and, you know, their fades and then they'll have their boots on too. It doesn't make any difference to how they play. I had a similar interaction with a silly old guy on um, Twitter the other week where he told me that he didn't think that the woman that was playing for Fetu Samoa against the Kiwi Ferns should have uh, eyelash extensions on. And I said to him, it makes absolutely no difference to how she plays. She can wear whatever she wants, so it's the same thing there. If you want to wear pink boots, if you're scoring tries, no one cares.
3: Yeah, he would have been better off doing a video or something saying how he was maybe just taking the piss Somewhat and comparing it to the past. When you make these posts on, on Twitter, you, you can't tell if it's in jest or not. And so it's just completely the wrong platform. And with all the positive work done around mental health, a massive backwards step. So well said, Alice. Uh, and we'll end it there, team. Thank you very much. Another major milestone in the countdown to next year's Women's Rugby World Cup in New Zealand this week, with the official draw ceremony taking place in Auckland. Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern and World Cup winners Dr Farah Palmer, Melody Robinson and Dan Carter were all on hand to help, with the world champion Black Ferns drawn alongside Australia, Wales and one of the three yet-to-be-determined qualifiers in Pool A. RNZ sports reporter Clay Wilson caught up with Blackfern's loose forward Charmaine McMenamin after the event and started by asking her if the World Cup felt a step closer with a draw now done.
2: Yeah, like it's always in the back of our minds obviously but um, I think to have this event, um, it really brings life to it so, um, oh man, I was nervous, eh, <laughs> when those pulls were getting drawn but um, nah, it's, it's going to be great Like, um, like to think that it's not that far away anymore um, is really
4: awesome what do you make of your pull obviously the big name in there being the Aussies
2: yeah well I wouldn't ride out the fre- uh, the Welsh team either like, um, like we had them la- uh, the last previous World Cup but um, well, I think there'll be a-, a good clash obviously against the Aussies like we always have a good battle with them um, in the O'Reilly Cup but yeah it's going to be a- it's, it's going to be some good matchups eh? it's going to be awesome
4: uh, in terms of the team itself, you're ten months away now. You, have, you obviously haven't got any internationals this year, but you've had these games over the recent weeks. How do you feel the team is placed, less than a year out from the tournament?
2: I think we're doing really well considering we don't have any internationals. Um, we've been playing obviously the two teams that are matched up, Barbarians. It's the top 52 players in, in New Zealand now, so um, that I don't think we can get much better than that. Like that quality of rugby is really, really at a high standard. So. Um, I think that's we can only do as good as we can do I see that England and France are having internationals and whatnot um, which probably places them quite well but I think we're doing awesome with what we what we have to work with
4: just on that in terms of getting games I mean how important do you think for you guys is it to try and get some internationals or some some high quality games between now and then
2: yeah well hopefully they can sort something out a little bit Um out from World Cup with some teams coming over early I'm not too sure um, what the plan is there but I think we definitely need to have some international tests just to you know get in the feel and the rhythm before we actually hit a World Cup Um, but no doubt if we do or if we don't I'm pretty sure we'll find some way to adapt Um, we're good at that being Kiwis (laughs) so um, yeah I think I think we'll be able to sort something out.
4: And just finally, just being able to play in a World Cup on home soil, have your fano, your, your friends around. I mean, what are you looking forward to most about that?
2: Yeah, I think that's it, the whānau and friends. Uh, I was quite fortunate to have my fano come over in 2017, um, make that big trip, but um, to be here on home soil is just a different s- story altogether. Like, you think of the old girls, some of them didn't even debut in New Zealand. They had to debut overseas, so um, I think... Our generation that will be playing um, fully at the time, it's going to be massive for them um, and they probably don't realise the opportunity that they have um, compared to what it previously has been.
0: Black
3: Fern's loose forward, Charmaine McMenamin. And Team New Zealand's head designer won't be paying much attention to any critics of the design of the America's Cup Defenders race boat. The team's second AC75, named Terehutai, was launched in Auckland on Thursday night and the new look mono monohull has been described as having the most advanced technology and aerodynamics of any boat to be built in New Zealand. Designer Dan Bernasconi finally got to reveal what he'd been working on at the official launch and he told RNZ sports reporter Felicity Reid how Te Rehutai differs from their first boat to Ahi.
6: We started from a clean sheet and really we thought very hard about the aerodynamics of Te Rehutai. I mean, we, we thought about that for Te but not to the same extent, not really taking it back to first principles and just thinking about a purely aerodynamic boat. How can we get the most out of her when she's flying? Once we've got a sort of perfect aero shape, we're like, OK, well, she's still got to float and we've still got to take off. So how can we modify that aerodynamic shape to be something that's also a boat? As a designer, this is probably new ground for you to cover? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the... The hull shapes in Bermuda, um, we had no control over. That was the one design on the shape. The AC72s in San Francisco, we, we were able to design the hulls, but there's a sort of a limited space to design in for a 72-foot catamaran, whereas this is wide open. There's a huge amount of uh, variation you can see between the competitors, so it's uh, a much more interesting boat to design from a hydrodynamic point of view. A huge amount of work's gone into it, and it, it would be hard, really, for... Anyone who's not been involved in that design process to understand all the, the reasons for the details and the shapes. So, yeah, I mean we, we can look on the sailing forums and it's interesting to see the opinions of, of the uh, sort of the fans out there. Um, but really, I think it'll it'll be very hard to know how we're going to do against the others until we actually line up in the America's Cup.
3: That was Team New Zealand's head designer, Dan Bernasconi. We've reached the end of Extra Time. My thanks to journalist Hamish Bidwell, Wellington Pride rugby player Alice Soper, and RNZ's Barry Guy. Extra Time is available every Friday from around 4pm. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, iHeart Radio, and of course at rnz.co.nz. We'd love if you can give us a rating so others can find us more easily. I'm Brenton Vanisleroy, Kakite anō.